Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, the voice of Mary Jane from The Spectacular Spider-Man, and you're listening to Spectacular Radio Podcast. Basic, you just the jackpot. Otto was weak. Call me Dr. Octopus. From, from now on, we're poison to Peter Parker and Spider-Man. It's a conspiracy, I tell you. They're all working together to raise my blood pressure. Tell me there's something better. Go ahead. Try. Welcome back to another episode of Spectacular Radio. I'm Zach Joyner, your webmaster of Spidey-Dude.com and the Spidey-Dude.com network. I am joined, as always, by Mr. Greg Bashansky, who's going to introduce the rest of the panel. Konnichiwa. Joining us again is Gerard of Mayday Mondays. Go listen to his show. It's awesome. The morning sun vanquishes the horrible night. And Jesse Garrett of the Next Dimension podcast. Yeah, I can't follow that, but hi. And joining us once again is Mr. Joshua Lepin-Bertoni. And what podcast are you on right now? I am on Clone Saga Chronicles. And yes! Chronicles. <laughs> you didn't think I was going to mention it? I don't know. I there was like a guess. Like it's the first one I mentioned. It's like well, I, I don't forget it. I, I know it still exists. Um, a new show called Comic Book Film Review, where we review um, film versions of comic books. And there is a secret third show that I'm on that is out there if you can find it. Nice. Secret, secret. You got a secret. Da 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 da. The Mister Roboto podcast. <laughs> And, th- <laughs> you. and this God. month we have no voicemails and no emails because we just read them all last month. Technically, we filmed both shows <laughs> at the same time, so um, a little an hour ago, curtain. yeah, an hour. Ago. Yeah. So um, keep sending us emails and voicemails. Zach, what's the number and what's the email address? The email address is spectacularradio at gmail dot com. The phone number, if you want to leave a voicemail, is eight one eight nine two five six six three one. Yes, and. We are talking about the fifth episode of the series, Competition. Hey, Mr. Sandman. Chill. Okay, so we open up at a bank where Flint Marco and Alex O'Hearn are robbing it and escaping into the sewers, thinking that Spidey can't get them down there. Spoiler alert, Spidey gets them down there. So they're arrested, thrown in prison, their big score taken from them when they are bailed out by... um. Hammerhead chauffeur who will become a very popular amongst the fan base character who shows up but doesn't actually say anything. Yes, and, um, I want to know more about this guy. Yeah, I mean, this girl. <laughs> yeah, it's a girl, Zach. Oh, anyway, man, they, uh, I screwed it up. Anyway, they uh, sit down in uh, Hammerhead's limo where Hammerhead welcomes them to Dan Slot's magnum opus. Get it, <laughs> boys, and welcome to the big time. No. <laughs> so anyway, we have the theme music, and then Peter wakes up still in costume where he's not decent, and was it the last episode? No, he's cleaning his room, and he sticks everything to the ceiling when the invitation to the fall formal arrives, when once again, Aunt May tries again to meet Miss Wonderful Personality, who we're never going to meet, spoiler alert, Mary Jane never shows up because Joe Quesada hates us. Joe Quesada. Does Joe Quesada have any have anything to do with this show? No, no, <laughs> no. That's why it's good. I'm getting married despite him. 
I noticed you changed. I understand that Jesse and April have written their own vows, and then like April like reads the most beautiful thing, and it's like, and Jesse, and he like takes out a piece of paper, neener neener neither, ha ha, Casada, retcon this, and he like throws the paper behind him and grabs his wife and like dips her and like tongues her right there. Jesse, you are obligated to do this now. Do it for the podcast. <laughs> I'm wearing a Spider-Man shirt or anything. Excellent. So, um, her idea. Yes. Meanwhile, Flint Marco is taken by Hammerhead to an underground laboratory which has been hastily conducted. He wants to meet the big man, but Hammerhead insists no one meets the big man. And no one. Because we don't have the rights to use the kingpin. <laughs> <laughs> so Peter goes to school where Gwen Stacy and Harry Osborne decide to get over being pissed off at him, and Harry decides he wants to try out for the football team, and um, he asks Peter to try out with him. Meanwhile, Otto Octavius, under the direction of Hammerhead Norman Osborne, pins a naked Flint Marco into this machine to begin an experiment on him to uh, give him subdermal armor. And things get a little bit hot, and um, Flint Marco explodes, and when and when Otto is like, what have we done? What do we do? Osborne says, <laughs> we sweep up, and we try again. Because that man is a real humanitarian. Haven't you heard he's the good guy? <laughs> Uh, I love how horrified, like, Octavius is. <laughs> like, oh my god, what have what we done? <laughs> and, and Otto's like, eh, YOLO. Yeah. yeah <laughs> YOLO. Yeah, I, I yeah. get what you just said. <laughs> After the experiment is conducted, and Osborne, like I said, he's a real humanitarian. Someone put that man in charge of our nation's security. And then that he turns um, Flint and O'Hearn into Bebop and Rocksteady. <laughs> no, 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 no! I'm so, I you can't appear in this. You have to be Toka and Razor. <laughs> Did anyone else get a bebop and rock? Finish your recap. <laughs> okay. Anyway, but Marco reforms himself out of the sand, where he becomes the real killer of Uncle Ben. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. He becomes a salmon. It's not so bad. You've got your sand legs and your sand clothes and um. <laughs> And Sandman yeah. pretty much decides he doesn't need to do what he's told and that he can finally get his big score. But Hammerhead's not too upset because Big Man wanted a distraction and Sandman you is guaranteed... want a distraction? You got a distraction. <laughs> yes, and Sandman's guaranteed to provide one. So um, Spidey runs into him and we have a pretty cool fight scene which is also reminiscent of the third movie in some places where um, Sandman lets slip that the Big Man exists. So Spider-Man now is about three seasons ahead of his 90s show counterpart. (laughs) (laughs) And Sam escapes into the sewers, leaving his money behind. And that's a big sack of money. And as a poor person myself, well, it's a lot of student loans. I feel for the guy. It was his fault, though. He was doing some stupidity. I mean, usually when I'm robbing banks, I like to make sure that I put it in a backpack so that I can... Oh, oh I'm sorry. Is this one is this being recorded? Yeah. So the next day, Peter and um, Harry Osborne try out for the uh, football team, and Peter begins using some of his spider agility and spider strength, and is doing really well. We also meet sophomore Hobie Brown here. Yeah. And um, A man of a thousand words. <laughs> yes, a thousand words. Especially when we get to open at night, but we're still all away from there. So, um, wow, I didn't catch that reference in the episode. Yeah, so Liz, so Liz is rooting for Peter. Um, Sally is not. <laughs> she's like she's protesting. Sally. 
Mm-hmm. She, yeah. like, um, crosses her arms and, like, puts her face up, like, as if to say, well, I never, and looks away, like... <laughs> and we also meet Glory Grant for the first time, who is not Jameson's secretary, because Betty Brant exists in this universe. Yeah, right? She was in the 90s show. Yeah, she was. She was Jameson's secretary in the 90s show, so... In the comics, when she became Jameson's secretary, when Betty and Ned went to Paris for their working honeymoon, that Betty stayed on forever and ever and didn't abandon her husband on. And um, when Betty came back, she became Robbie's secretary, and that was how it stayed. Like, uh, Glory was Jameson's secretary, and Betty was Robbie's secretary, except for a brief period in the 90s when Puma owned the Bugle and Jameson owned a different thing, and it's complicated. Right, right. So anyway... Harry gets a little bit miffed that Peter's doing so well at tryouts because you're already the smartest guy in class. Do you need this, too? And I guess I can understand. And meanwhile, Peter heads off with Gwen while Harry goes off to have some lunch with some of his new friends from the football team. And and Peter and Gwen resolve their uh, little disagreement where Peter behaved like a douche during the whole lizard thing. And he heads off to take pictures of the Sandman. Meanwhile, um... Harry's having lunch with his new friends where he tells them about, well, me and how I suck as a chauffeur. And if you guys listen to our last show, you know exactly what Harry is talking about. So, um, and Kenny decides to be a dick and spill soda on him, and w- which causes Glory to dump him and decide to uh, give Harry, uh, for what is all intents and purposes, a pity date. Although Harry hasn't realized that yet, because he's Harry. So Spidey battles a Sandman at a construction site, which is also pretty reminiscent of Spider-Man 3, and it's a very well-animated, very well-done fight scene, which ends when Spidey straight-up murders him by covering him in cement. No, 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 Sandman doesn't die. And Harry goes home, where he is immediately dismissed by his father. Football, huh? Not really your strong suit. And his mother, Emily Osborne, doesn't even look at him. Spoiler alert, if we'd gotten a third season, Marina Sirtis would have been the voice of Emily Osborne. So, um, the next day... Wait, is that implying that she doesn't speak for two seasons? She doesn't speak for two seasons, no. Wow. So, I wonder who's dominant in that relationship. <laughs> well, considering that she's voiced by Marina Sirtis, and we know what kind of characters Greg casts Marina Sirtis as, uh, it's actually not quite as clear-cut as you might think. There's an yeah, episode, was... like, that would have been in the third season, where her and Hobie Brown, like, it would have just been her and Hobie Brown, like, and no other characters. Nice. Anyway, so the next day, to uh, give Harry his dream, Peter purposely jobs the tryout so he doesn't get selected, and Harry and Hobie both make it onto the football team. But Peter and, and, and Gwen share some ice cream, and the uh, spider logo at the end turns into a football. Pretty sweet episode. Yeah. All right, so moving on. Let's. Uh, the big villain of this episode is the Sandman, who hasn't been in a few ad- adaptations. I think he, the last time we saw him was Amazing Friends. Yeah, yeah, where he was, where he figured out Spider-Man's secret identity by turning into beach sand. <laughs> Ugh. Don't you know I could just end you with one phone call? Ugh. Miss Angelica Jinks. I know it's not the same episode, but but I suppose you could say he could have, he would have been Hydro Man in the '90s show. Yeah, and he, was, he was definitely Hydro Man in the Fantastic Four '90s cartoon where, uh, like, Hydro-Man actually took his place in the Frightful Four. Oh, my God, it means M- MJ in the 90s show would have been a sand clone. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> Peter would have been taking, like, um, a bucket and scooping up the sand in a bucket after she evaporated. No! Uh-oh. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Do I have it? Do I have it? 
No, I don't. Never mind. <laughs> but um, I liked Sandman in this. I thought it was a lot of fun. I kind of like how he's also someone who doesn't take it personally. He doesn't actually want to fight Spider-Man. I mean, he will if he runs into him. He just wants to make some cash, some quick money cash. He wants this big score. He's a pretty practical guy. Right. He's His motivations are different than O'Hearn's. It, it, does, it does make that the better... Does anyone get, like, a Bebop and Rocksteady vibe? Because, like, in the old Ninja Turtles cartoon, like, Bebop and Rocksteady were two punks that the Turtles, like, kept on beating up before they got transformed. Yeah, I guess I could uh, see that, and Sam and Rhino do occasionally work together again after this. Not often, but... Yeah, I do have that as a note. These yeah. guys are essentially Bebop and Rocksteady. But much smarter. I don't know. They're pretty dumb. Than Bebop and Rocksteady. Well, well yeah. I don't know if it's yeah, Bebop or Rocksteady. Yeah, I, I only know Toka and Razzler. Okay, Jesse, we're saying, go on. I mean, you're the newbie. What do you think of Sandman here? Uh, I like him. Um, I'm not terribly familiar with the character. I mean, also, the character hasn't had as much exposure, uh, well, of course, with the movie he did, but prior to that. So as far as adaptations of him go, I I do like it. Like you were saying, I like that he's you know, he's kind of the professional. Also, he just he cares about getting a score, and he's not going out of his way to fight Spider-Man. And after his transformation, he he's initially worried until he realizes, hey, I can get money out of this. I mean, uh, I was a little hazy on what the experiment exactly was trying to do. It was trying to create what what will become the armor that Rhino wears. Hmm. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, question for Tony. The armor, the green armor that he kind of wears, does that not, is that not reminiscent of a suit that he wore in the, like, 80s and 90s when he was part of the Fright Before? Same as I mean, he wore green so, armor. No, he didn't. Not in this show. Yeah, he, he wore yeah, the, like yeah, when, not in this show. Not in the show, but like when he's being, exper- when they're first doing the experiment, they put that armor on. Uh, no, that, well, didn't, he, that didn't remind well, was, me of that armor He was naked all. and in manacles, and I know this because Jennifer used to tell me stories about how they would have to edit out scenes where he was as anatomically correct as a Ken doll. <laughs> She'll talk about that, or probably already has talked about that when we record that, which will yeah. go first. Right. <laughs> but, um, Wasn't Sandman an Avenger at some point? Yeah, I think he was. He was a reserve Avenger. Yeah, I mean... But yeah, Sam, man, even on this show, I mean, he's a bad guy, but he's not one of the bad, bad guys. He just wants to get some money. He's he's no Delator. Oh god. Oh man, I remember when they when they got rid of his Avenger uh, status. Dumbest backup stories I've ever read. Back around that oh, Mackie Burn reboot era, remember that? Yeah. Yeah, that was when they wanted to. Uh, that was when he yeah, was wanting could... to do the Sinister Six, right? And that was like. Mackie Byrne reboot issue twelve, Sinister I mean, Six. Right, but like even, even before that, like with him on the first few issues. Is that the story of Venom? I think, it, I think it was. No, no, no. I'm saying I think it was Amazing Spider-Man one or Peter Parker one. It was the backup story for that. Oh, and, it, right. uh, and they just have him just on a dime just become a villain again because they wanted him to be a villain. Yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. Awful. Well, on the one hand, on the one hand, if he's sitting hero, he might not have been part of the license and wouldn't have been in the show. Uh, they still would have. They still could have and would have. I, yeah, I, I guess. So, um, Sandman's real name. This is a comic thing. I've heard Flint Marco, William Baker, for Tony, you're the historian. Okay. Um, William Baker's his real name. Flint Marco's an assumed name. The, both of the names were used 
and they reckon that like he used the name Flint Marco as an alias because he had a teacher and they Mrs. Flint that he had a crush on, and that that was his tribute to her. Right, I remember that. That was a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man annual. Peter David. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's not and related to Juggernaut. Yeah. No, no, he's not related to what? Juggernaut. Juggernaut. I mean, I'd be lying if I said Sandman was my favorite villain in the comics. He's not, but I really kind of like him on this show. And I will admit, I w- when I first heard he was going to appear on the show, I knew he was. After Spider-Man Three, I kind of wasn't looking forward to him because I mean, I liked the effects on him. I liked the actor who portrayed him. I just really hated that story of him being Uncle Ben's real murderer. Well, that was that was brainy. Just I don't know what the hell happened with that. That that's one of the many um, misgivings that people have with Spider-Man Three. But uh, I think things. that's one you can't blame on the studio shoehorning in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was totally like, Raimi trying to justify Sandman's existence. I mean, I think what could have been done is he could have still had that story where okay, he, Sandman was um, Carradine's partner and. You know, Marco's cellmate was testifying this false testimony to try to get a lighter sentence so that Spider-Man would be chasing the guy based on a false testimony, which would have fit in with the theme of the movie. Right. Actually, that would have been good. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think it's still too much, though, for one movie. Yeah. But um, they could take Sandman but, out. Completely. Yeah, but yeah, but Sandman was fun, even though I do think a lot too many of the fight scenes here are reminiscent of Spider-Man 3, but in future episodes of Sandman, the fight scenes get really dynamic. I mean, this is nothing compared to what's coming in later episodes. There's a, right. there's a lot of stuff in this episode ripped from the Raimi movies, though. You have that scene with him in the bedroom, which mm-hmm. is pretty much like a combination of those two scenes from the first movie, the one where he's webbing the, the product placement cans, and Aunt May comes to the door, and also a little bit of that scene where he's on the ceiling hiding from uh, Norman Osborn. And right. they have that whole... Yeah, his transformation sequence is like has quite a bit of the Spider-Man 3 in it. Yeah, except it's deliberate this time. Yeah, there's th- that specific shot right where he's in his Sandy form, and he sort of lifts his hands up. That's straight out of the yeah. movie. Well, it was a great shot. I mean, it, even the, the biggest attractor to Spider-Man 3 will say that the birth of Sandman scene was magnificent, and it was. I'll give it that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Should have won an Oscar. What won uh, Oscar I, for effects that year? I don't... Uh, Transformers, probably. No, 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 no Transformers, Transformers did not win an Oscar. The Academy hates Michael Bay. It did not win an Oscar. Oh, right, it was the Golden Compass. Yeah. <laughs> If I yeah. remember right, Spider-Man 3 wasn't even nominated. No, it was. Dude, I don't think they have high standards. 3-6 Mafia has an Emmy, don't they? Come on. <laughs> they have an Oscar. Has yeah, they have yeah. an Oscar, yeah. Yeah, I'll never forget because uh, what's her name? Justin said 3-6 Mafia, one Oscar, Martin Scorsese, no Oscars. Yeah. But, um, yeah, what, is, what did everyone else think of Sandman here? I, I like Sandman. I, I thought, you know, the fact that we've got to see him pre-Sandy form is kind of one of those things that, that really the show has done well. So you got to kind of got to see a little bit more of his motivation. And when he becomes a supervillain, you know, he kind of stays the same. And, you know, he's still wearing that stupid striped shirt. <laughs> you know. But, uh, but no, Sandman's fun. I, you know, Sandman's always a fun visual. He's a fun villain. You can do a lot with him. I mean, we just, uh, on CSC reviewed a um, issue with Ben Riley and Sandman. Oh, and, yeah, uh, and my tired recap, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um, 
it was it's a lot of fun. So I I think that that um, Sandman's a good character. He just he, he and he's got a lot. He's got a very rich and diverse back history. And it's got a great visual to him. I mean, the artists can do practically yeah. anything they want. I mean, Gerard, you're the artist. <laughs> Have you drawn him yet? Oh, man. I don't think I've drawn Sandman in years. And when I did, I wasn't very good. I think that's one that I might have to tackle soon. But, oh, yeah. Like, they, they do a lot of good dynamic stuff with him, and like you said, in this episode, and especially in the future ones. Like, I especially love there's bits in this episode where Spider-Man will punch him in the face. And then it's the part where he connects sort of gets sandy, and then even... Oh, was it this episode that has the shot where the, the sand from his face actually forms a hand and pushes the fist back? Yeah. All right, um, for Tony, what do you think of Sandman? I liked it in this episode, like, the characterization of him when he first becomes the Sandman and, like, him basically, like, wanting to try out this power and, you know, not really caring about revenge on Spider-Man until he sees him and just how happy he is, like, when he sees him again, like, oh, yeah, yeah, webs don't work on sand, but sand works on you. Um, I like, and just how he didn't want to, you know, follow Hammerhead's instructions and Osborne's like, well, and he's like, hey, he wanted a distraction, there you go. Yeah. I didn't like um, how Spider-Man, you know, kills him. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, um, Spider-Man in that scene, you're kind of, you don't quite know how to beat him. You're, I do that. So you kill him? He didn't kill him. He didn't die. He didn't die, <laughs> but it's like, I was waiting for them to explain it or like for Peter to say, like, you know, like saying, don't worry, you know, um, Marco, that's just a solidifying agent. You know, uh, you can breathe. You just can't move. You'll be a statue until the cops come. The Sandman needs to breathe. You can't do this. I already have. <laughs> <laughs> I don't breathe. Does Sandman even need to breathe? I'm wondering about that. I don't think he does, but I don't think Peter knew that. Yeah, or this, Peter shouldn't have known that. Yeah, this is this is also before they established that Dan slot thing where there's one grain of sand that's consistent in Sandman each time he's just <laughs> from ends of the earth. His soul sand. Yeah, his soul sand. No! What happens if you step on that thing? You smush him. There you go, yeah. Um, yeah, moving on, I did enjoy the football subplot. And I'm someone who doesn't really care about sports, but um, Zach, you're the football fan. What do you think of this subplot? Uh, I thought it fit, and I thought it was the right time of year. And uh, cause sometimes they're like, well, let's, do, let's do football in the spring. No, football's done in the fall, unless you're the USFL. Gerard's the only one that will get that reference. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> Well, moving it to the fall is what killed him. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, the uh, no, I, 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 the football tryouts. I mean, that's that's a classic uh, fall, and we've established uh, Wiseman has established um, that you know these each set of these episodes take place over a certain period of time over that first semester of his sophomore year, I think sophomore junior year. Um, so junior. I. I is a junior year. Yeah, so I mean, it's it, it fits with the overall tone, the overall story, and what they're trying to do. And, and uh, no, I, I thought it was well done, and uh, it was one of the, my more favorite aspects of, of the particular episode. Really? I gotta be honest, I really didn't like the football subplot in this. I thought it ate up way too much time. I don't know. Man. Well... So, quick question. We're getting a bit ahead of ourselves, but I tend to think that scene where right after Harry had that scene with his parents, I think that's when he started taking the globulin green. 
Absolutely. Oh, he was definitely taking it. He was definitely taking it before, or at least at some point in the tryouts, because I'm sure. I think that's one of the reasons he succeeded in the tryouts. Yes, I think that's what that's what, what's supposed to. Yeah. Well, um, we'll probably have asked Wiseman which layer before this by then, but um, uh, time we're tra- in time travel. We're time traveling, but um, great Scott. Yeah, and um. Norman's especially cold in this episode. The guy just does not value human life. I love that we'll sweep up and we'll try again. It, it just says so much about the guy. The comedic right. timing of that scene is so great. Like, I love how like Doc Ock is the only like one horrified. Like, he's like oh my god, what have we done? And like everyone, like, really? You, you care too? We got like another guinea pig here too. Like, we'll just get a horn in there. <laughs> Next episode. <laughs> Yeah. I'll be honest though, I don't care for Doc Ock's characterization in this episode. I know he's supposed to be sort of a spineless scientist, but he's a little too spineless, don't you think? Where a guy who's gonna be conducting human experiments has to have a little bit of edge to him. And he just doesn't have it here. Yeah, he did seem overly meek. Right. Well but I, uh, I was watching it and I got I was thinking like, well, I guess maybe he ha- something happens in the future, wink, that just makes him go completely nuts. I don't. It, it, it would seem like he'd have to completely change his character. Let's just say he really does not like his boss, right? And for good reason, his boss. Um, Osborne's much bullying the guy into this. I mean, he's terrified of Osborne at this point. Hmm. Right. And I mean, I'm sure, and, and I'm pretty sure Hammerhead's a scary guy to him. Also, I mean, Hammerhead's the face of an. Of a citywide crime organization, the guy's got to be intimidated in person. I mean, we're watching the episode behind our TVs, but um, we're not in the room with this guy. Right, Greg, he's not real. <laughs> no, he's not. Damn it, you ruined Christmas for me. <laughs> you know, speaking about Hammerhead, I've seen him more in media adaptations than I ever have read him in the comics. And that's that just me, or? Actually, I was going to get into this just now. I mean, this show is the only place I've ever gave a crap about Hammerhead. I don't give a crap about him in the comics. I didn't give a crap about him in some of the other media pieces he's Nine appeared show. in. He's at, he was only in two episodes there, and I kind of thought he would be one of Kingpin's ongoing lieutenants, but then he never shows up again, and I really <laughs> like him on this show. Kingpin had enough lieutenant problems in that show. <laughs> well, Hammer, well yeah. Hammerhead would have made a bit more sense than Herbert Landon. Herbert Landon? I believe in Herbert Landon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The mutant menace in Herbert Landon, and therefore I have to become like Two-Face. Rachel Ghoul and Two-Face had a baby. It's Herbert Landon. <laughs> and then that, up oh my Joker. god. I never... Okay. I never put the two and two together until you said that. Oh my word. Wow. Okay. Yeah, they're both David Warner. I, yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, they're totally talking did. to the Joker in that one episode. <laughs> the Joker, right? That's awesome. But, um, yeah, so uh, I guess we'll talk about Hammerhead more, but what do we think of him here on the show? I mean, Hammerhead's one of the more boring characters in the comics, I think, anyway, but... What? Get, get mean, out of here with that. <laughs> Hammerhead does his job in this. He's, you know, he's an emissary for the big man. Right. And I, I mean, there's really not much to say. And I like also that both he and Sam are voiced by John DiMaggio. Okay, um, what would it be? Bite my sandy, grainy ass, bite my shiny metal skull. 
<laughs> Can someone else do that voice, either of them? Oh God, uh, no! Zach, you're good at impressions. I can do the I can do the the hammerhead. Okay, yeah. Bite my bite, bite my metal skull. I love Bender. The only thing that bothers me about him a lot is that um sometimes he's too predictable. Right. Like it, it's not funny if we know that he's always going to subvert our expectations. Like like the Christmas episode when he's with the orphans and they see like Fry and Lee. We're not talking run. about Bender anymore. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, Zach. No, no, uh, Zeno says Zach is right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought that was supposed to set up that joke. I'm sorry. Okay. That just came off as an asshole, so I'm sorry, Josh. <laughs> no, 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 you're not an asshole. You have to get the show on track. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but overall, I mean, there aren't too many new elements in this episode compared to some others. I mean, we'll have more new elements coming up, but um. Really, the big new element is Sandman in this episode. I really can't think of much else to say here. Does yeah, anyone I mean, else have any talking points? I really, do. The, the sub... Gerard? Minor kind of point, but I really want to, to highlight in the scene... There's a brief scene in the beginning where there were uh, uh, Marco and O'Hearn are in prison, and the lighting and the staging in that scene is particularly noteworthy. They do some great effects with the sort of uh, blinding light and then the bar- shadows of the bars and things like that. That was pretty neat. Oh, yeah, that was. Just as an art buff, I kind of like that stuff. Yeah, they showed us quite a bit of that. I mean, it gets experimental in places, and I enjoy that. I, I thought overall the animation was really, really solid throughout this entire two episodes that we've talked about. Yeah. Uh, really, it's been solid throughout the entire series so far, but it's really, it's it's really kind of started to hit its stride with uh, the previous episode and this episode. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people will say the next episode is to use a TV trope's term where the show grew its beard, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. I'm really enjoying it now. I mean, up until this point, there hasn't really been an episode I haven't in- enjoyed, but... um, There's also a, the, the transformation sequence, I also have to point out, because uh, when we covered the first episode, I believe, I sort of criticized the fact that I didn't particularly like enjoy the music that they use in this show. Mm-hmm. But I have to I have to sort of eat some crow here because the the music especially and the and the sound work in his transformation sequence is really superb because the music sort of starts off with the almost sort of ambient hum and then as the thing kicks in and he starts screaming it starts to really heighten almost like something out of a Frankenstein movie where you can almost imagine the lightning bolts hitting the thing and then you know transforming him and stuff it's really really well executed. <laughs> It has a lot of uh, horror element to it that I enjoyed. Oh, yeah, it was great. I, I agree with you. I mean, I never really paid it much attention, but yeah, you're right. It does set the mood for it. I mean, that's... I mean, a good soundtrack is sometimes one that you don't notice, but it affects you anyway, so there you go. What else? I mean, what what, what else happened in this episode? I mean, the <laughs> Mary Jane... Yeah, the Mary Jane uh, subplot continues, and it will culminate... Yeah, I... I... This this episode kind of suffers from the fact that it's the second episode of a three episode arc. It's kind of like it's kind of like the same thing with an issue, uh, like a three issue arc, and you're talking about the middle part. It, yeah. it, it does its job effectively in terms of setting up. Okay, you got a new villain, but it also advances the subplots that we established with the previous episode. So it's one of those things that kind of suffers a little bit in that regard when you're trying to talk about it individually. It's probably better to talk about it as a whole. Yeah, I cannot remember the last time I watched this episode alone. Maybe when it aired. Usually when I watch these, I'll 
watch a few of them at a time, but... Well, this is definitely I, uh, something you would binge watch. Yeah. I was thinking about this when I was watching these earlier today, like when Peter's in the bedroom with uh, Harry in the other episode that we watched, um, and, you know, he's talking about, like, Harry being mad at him, and or Gwen being mad at him, like, like stuff like that. Th- this show works a lot better as a binge watch, and I was thinking what this would be like if it was on, like, Fox Kids in the 90s, five days a week or something. And right. it, it would be weirder, like, watching it, but... Like, the way that the world works now with, you know, DVR and streaming and everything, like, these shows are better. But, like, if this was a show that was in syndication, you you couldn't mix and match the episodes. This isn't like, you know, uh, like Batman the Animated Series where you can um, just, you know, shuffle the playlist. Wiseman shows never are Gargoyles. You had to watch in order. Young Justice, you had to watch in order. This show you had to watch in order. Season two of which you had to watch in order. I'm sure Rebels, when that comes out, you have to watch that in order, too. I don't remember Gargoyles that much, but from what I do remember, like, I don't remember that, like, too much of a serialized thing in the early episodes. It was. Okay. It's been a long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember, See, like, I... there was a season where Goliath was on, like, a raft or that something. Was, that was uh, part of the second season of the World Tour arc, but, um... Well, I suppose you could mix up some of those if there was still an overall arc and you got more out of it if you watched them in order, but, um... Dude, that felt, felt like four seasons long, bro. <laughs> that was 21 episodes long, the world tour. Yeah. I didn't the internet told it, me that it, that it sucks. The Goliath Chronicles sucks. I mean, the world tour's okay. There's some episodes I like more than others, but, um, I kind of agree it did go on a bit too long, but... I, I mean, I, I don't know. He was setting up future elements there that Hopefully it'll come into fruition if he ever gets new comics or a new show or something, but um, we're getting off topic. But, yeah, all of Wiseman's shows, you kind of have to watch shorter. But does that is that a good thing or a bad thing, though? I actually prefer that. I find that I get more out of it that way. I mean, yeah, granted, I, mean, I love Batman animated series also, and each episode is a mini-movie. You can watch it in any order, but, yeah. Oh, we're going to debate serialization versus episodic. I mean, I prefer serialization. I think it depends upon the show and the character, and for a character like Spider-Man, it works. Um, but there has to be a balance. Like, right. you don't want it too serialized. Um, like, like Breaking Bad would not work, you know. Uh, but... No, not at all. <laughs> Drug. The problem I have with seri- with a lot of like serialized shows is that if you sometimes if you're out an episode, you are just screwed. Like that's not the right. case with this. Like it's not that tightly serialized. But, like, the Gargoyles example is a good one. Like, if you missed two episodes of Gargoyles, you were you were lost. <laughs> like, I remember sometimes where I would have to miss a couple episodes here or there because just, you know, random things after school or something. And then I would come back and be like, just, what is happening right now? That actually bit right. them in the ass in season one where this episode, Enter Macbeth, was... They, they had to send so many retakes that came out looking horrible, and that was the episode where they leave the castle and move into the clock tower. It was a major turning point, and the boss said, air the next one. We can't. <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd have the, the exact opposite opinion of you, Gerard. <laughs> really? Yeah, well, just because growing up, like, non-serialized shows like Batman, I felt no urge to continue watching because there'd be no payoff. Really? Yeah, it's like I, I want to see developments and I want to see stuff from previous episodes incorporated. But but to me, the payoff is if the story is good, and whether or not it's serialized has almost nothing to do with it. I'm gonna say this: so the thing about Batman is, right now we're talking about when it comes to animation with Spec Spidey, Gargoyles, Batman. We're talking about the best examples of this kind of storytelling. Batman did this, the done in one 
thing masterfully. Well, and yeah. I'll tell you right now, this is also, we're still in the, the realm where these were scheduled to be released in a single DVD mm. set, and that's why it's, you know, especially season two, we're not seeing as much of that as we do in season one because of, obviously, the plans that were in place in season one. Yeah. I, I think so, it also I, depends upon what year it is. Right. right. Like, I mean, yeah. Like, like, the 90s show is a classic example of, yeah, certain episodes need to be aired in order, but you're not usually lost. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to make a statement for why I think... I mean, I know I'm a, I'm in a minority here, but the reason why some of the Spidey movies in particular work for me is that one of the biggest appeals of Spider-Man is the soap opera aspect. We're coming back to see him each month or on TV each week, where it's waiting two to three years between movies to see what happens next, it kind of hurts the soap opera aspect of Sp- the so integral of Spider-Man. I would love to see a Spider-Man TV show. Me too. Ultimate Live Spider-Man is, is a TV show that's out right now. A live-action oh, Spider-Man. Oh. <laughs> well, damn, son. I will say that this scene in this episode with him uh, daydreaming about being a football player, it gave me post-traumatic stress to that episode oh, of Ultimate no. Spider-Man I watched. But this was much more better done because it, it was relevant and it wasn't completely mm-hmm. over the top. Right. And the show does, does not overdo this sort of thing. Does they give him fantasies like this again? I forget. I don't think so. No, I I, no. I was I had forgotten that they gave him the one in this episode. So when it happened, I was like, "What? What the?" Yeah. Also, is this the first instance we've had of something adopting the Raimi films approach of having the the almost the spikes on the fingertips to climb walls? That was in the MTV show. Well, that was also directly from the Raimi, Raimi films. So, um, yes, well, anything so, I mean, anything anything involving Sony, yes. Definitely. Okay, because I forgot the vibe that it was kind of influenced by that, obviously. But right. Well, uh, well, I mean, influenced the, the damn. His origin is practically word for word. We'll the, get the there. The Raimi movie. Gerard will get there. Oh, that's yeah, right. Jesse Donna. hasn't seen that yet. Oh crap! Sorry, Jesse. You, <laughs> it blew it. you should have Don on for that because when he was on that other show, he like really, really ranted and hated that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, that'd be we'll interesting. See if his opinions changed. Yeah, we'll get there. My, my, <laughs> I don't my, think it has. My brother actually bought the script for that episode at Convergence, so it'll be fun to read before we uh, do the uh, podcast. I bought the script for opening night, so... yeah, hmm. Nice. But, um, let's see. Um, overall thoughts in this episode. Shall we go around the panel? Yeah, let's do some grades. All right, who wants to go first? I'll do, I'll do mine. Uh, just to kind of wrap my thoughts up, I- I'm going to give this a B+. Plus. Uh, I'm going to give it the same episode. Like I said earlier, it kind of suffers a little bit for being the second of a three-episode arc. But uh, every every single, almost every single plot point was advanced from the previous episode. Sandman was a good villain, not a great villain. And, you know, it, it, it's a, and the animation's good, so I, I think that there's a lot of good elements. I actually, I'm going to disagree with Gerard right quick. I actually like the fact that Dog Ock is kind of meek and, and sort of timid. Because it, it d- definitely gives you something different than, you know, I am Dr. Octopus. We'll definitely get more in Def and Doc Ock when we get to reaction. Yep, definitely so. Let's go with uh, Josh. Okay, I'm going to do um, another A. 
I guess I, I'm used to reviewing things that are a little weaker, so my grading barometer is off. And uh, this, 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 was, this was a pleasant experience, so I'm giving it an A. <gasps> Jesse, newbie? Uh, I will, I'll echo your score and say a B+. Plus. Uh, it, it was a highly entertaining episode. Uh, I, I just, Sandman, he was a little boring, I guess. Right. And I, I, I am excited that, that uh, apparently he gets more dynamic because that kind of makes sense for his character to be more familiar with his powers and to figure out how to work them. Because he, he is kind of derivative of the movie in the use of his powers in here. I'm going to say this. I think that a lot of the first appearances of these villains, especially if they're recurring villains, they their second appearance is always better, it seems like. You've got to start them somewhere so you have some place for them to go. I mean, you can't just right. do the money shot right away. That's exactly right. Gerard, speaking of money shots. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh! <laughs> um. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be Commander Contrarian again. I don't like this episode to be honest. Um, the, the football stuff is really what ruins it for me. I love the Sandman in this, but I just feel like the tryout subplot took a little too much away. So I think I'll give this one a C minus. Oh wow! Wow, if that's the weakest grade this episode gets, it's a pretty solid episode. I'll give it a. Um, a minus. I'd give it a B plus, but I'm sort of in the episode, so I'm giving it an extra point because of that. So <laughs> there you go. Hey, you can do whatever you want. It's your show, man. Yeah. I mean, I I enjoyed the Sandman, a character I don't usually look forward to seeing, even though he's. I mean, I thought it was a great visual. I the football subplot wasn't my favorite, but it was kind of fun. I mean, it was fun to watch. It wasn't stupid like Ultimate Spider-Man, which. You know, I'm breaking my rule of not mentioning that show, but we've, we've already broken that rule long ago, so here we are. That was a rule? It was a, my own personal rule, but... <laughs> yeah, it was, it was... Yeah, let's just not... Let's not bring that up anymore. Oh, yes, yeah, let's, let's try not to, but... um. Yeah. Oof. And I thought the characterizations were really good. I mean, you really see where certain characters are going to go, and um, especially, I mean, Harry's heading down a pretty dark path starting this episode, and... Right. Next episode is a pretty big episode. Actually, getting ahead of ourselves, the next episode is one I didn't suspect I would enjoy all that much because the Rhino is not one of my favorites, and it became a uh, episode that really changes things. So we'll um, talk about that next month. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, you talk, somebody was talking about the Water Clone and the Sand Clone. There was, there when was, you talk about, there wasn't a Sand Clone. You're like we were talking there, about that. There could have been. You mean the thing that, that that doesn't exist? <laughs> right, right, right. Like, like there would have been a water. Like there was a water clone on the '90s show, and if they had done Sandman instead of Hydro Man, there would have been a Sand Clone. So, you know, anytime I think of water clones, I think of this. Okay, gonna, I, I had to get some spec Spidey sound clips used on this show, but um, <laughs> right, we do. Yeah, but um, overall, I mean, that's a great sound clip to go out on. I love that. Okay, so um, uh, we'll see you all next month. And Bertoni, you're welcome to come back on anytime you want. We'd love. Why, to thank you. I'll, I'll definitely be back for the Sister Sun arc in a uh, season three. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Sister Sun arc. For more, see that other show. Yes. That other show.
<laughs> All right, we'll see you next time here on the Spectacular Radio Podcast, powered by Spidey-Dude.com. <laughs>